So uh, welcome to uh, Babylon 5 versus Deep Space 9. Uh, this is uh, Bob from Cascadia, and I got Matt from the Southland on the line. Uh, Matt, how you doing today? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Ready to talk about some Babylon 5, some DS9? Let's get it started. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, I wanted to ask, first of all, you were, I think, a little reluctant to take this project on for Babylon 5 because neither of us are that familiar with it. Do um, you want to talk about like what won you over or convinced you uh, to watch <laughs> Babylon 5? Yeah, uh, you know, I've been a sci-fi fan my whole life. And when you mentioned Babylon 5, I, I try to think back in my mind, where have I seen that? And I I constantly get Babylon 5. I think it's called Farscape yeah, and yeah. Stargate. All of those ran together in my mind. So I had to kind of do my, you know, my Google image search real quick to see which cast I'm going to shoot. All right. So you were saying that uh, you always had a hard time uh, in your mind differentiating between Babylon 5, Farscape and Stargate, which I think has a prefix too. It's like SG-1 or something. Yeah. Yeah. All, all of those just kind of ran together. So I had to kind of do a Google image search and see which cast we're actually talking about what, you know, jogged my memory about what, which one was which. Uh, and then like with anything like this, one of the first things I have to do is find out if there were actually action figures or toys to that series, <laughs> because that, that was always my thing. I'm like, okay, if they have action figures, it must've been an okay show because they were trying to see, you know, they're trying to sell merchandise. So they had action figures. So that was a good thing. And that's where I, I told you a little bit about the, uh, the snake creature thing that just scares the, the bejesus out of me. I, I'm afraid of snakes and. I was just saying for the listeners at home, you're talking about uh, Ambassador Kosh, who's the Vorlon ambassador on Babylon 5, I think, <laughs> who, who to you looks snake-like. Yeah, I, I, don't so, see yeah, it I found so that out. And, uh, it looks like a boa constrictor on top of a coat. Like, it doesn't look right. Like, it always bothered me. I just remember, I think, I remember seeing an image of him in a comic book somewhere, and it just scared me. So, anyway, that was, the action figures, that, that was one part that won me over. And the other thing is, I always like to say if there was a video game, because if I need to... Uh, there's a PC game found out there was a PC game that was actually canceled. That was made by uh, Sierra. If you remember Mm -hmm. uh, Sierra uh, space quest, King's quest, all those quest games that were so good in our our childhood uh, that they actually were going to have a Babylon five game for that, but it didn't, it got canned. But anyway, that that was a good thing. And then the other thing were there board games and yes, there is a huge Babylon five, board game miniature type thing that they have out so uh, there's always something i can collect and if i know i can collect something i'm usually good with it (laughs) (laughs) so that that won me over and then uh then just once you google babylon 5 you start to see that there are similarities and differences and it's always being compared to ds9 and ds9 was one of my favorite star trek uh, series so if there's some comparisons to be made there. I'd like to see them. And that's why I think we're here at the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. So you've, uh, you've only watched what, like four or five Babylon five episodes now. Yeah. I've really only seen the first, uh, the first four episodes. I haven't watched the TV movie yet, but I watched the four first, uh, I guess, regular episodes. I'm, I'm actually pretty interested. It's, uh, it's different for sure. It's definitely not the, you can tell there's a difference in quality compared to DS9 as far as like, uh, I guess, set design and even the the creatures are a little, they're way more humanoid to me than a lot of the characters you see on Star Trek, which is kind of surprising. But, uh, you know, there's the one guy, uh, Londo, who really to me is just like a, a human with weird hair. I mean, that's the whole thing I see with him right now. I haven't really learned much about him. 
<laughs> uh, I kept waiting to see if they were going to do a, a cork like nibble on his ear type thing or some weird, you know. Oh, don't worry. We're going we're gonna to learn a lot about uh, Centauri uh, sex practices. Uh, oh, okay. The weird yeah, configuration think, I, of their genitalia. Don't worry. Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah, I knew I knew something was coming with that, especially with the uh, the episode where I think it was the second episode where he uh, the purple file, I believe it was called. Or born to the purple, something like that. Born to the purple, yeah, yeah. Where they try, where he has the uh, the dancer try to uh, get the purple file from him, the information. That was my. Uh, that's I was just waiting for something to happen there, something weird, but it it didn't. Apparently, they as of right now they they reproduce looks like the same way humans do. Um, but yeah. then, yeah, but then the other thing though is some of the stuff. It just Babylon Five to me looks like looks cheaper. That's one huge difference I've noticed so far, just with those four episodes. I guess is what I'm getting to. Um, but so far, I'm enjoying it. I, I've, I, there are definitely some com- some pretty obvious comparisons to be made between characters. Yeah, yeah, no good stuff, good stuff. And so I think we're hoping that's one of the hooks of the podcast is that we're both Babylon Five uh, um, newbies and we're both uh, apologists and devotees of uh, DS Nine, and so you know, hopefully that'll give us a sort of interesting um, perspective on both series as we sort of watch and rewatch them. And you know, we'll hopefully save this from just being like a boring fan podcast where like you know, two white bros like recite the plot of some pop culture from thirty years ago. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think we're going to do that. That doesn't sound very fun. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm not that familiar with Babylon 5 either. I think I don't think I'd ever seen an episode before a couple of years ago. Although I think I did see like they did a, a very short-lived spin-off on TNT called Crusade, and I think we would have been like 14 or so when that premiered. And oh, wow. I think I I think I saw the pilot but didn't see anything else. Cause I mean, you know, as the, this, the zoomer listeners uh, do not know or may not know, it was very hard to keep up with television in our uh, teenage years. Um, I didn't, I wasn't able back in the day to watch that many DS nine episodes either. Cause they came on pretty early, like on a Saturday morning on like, a, uh, they came on, on a, it was a Sunday morning. It was a Sunday that morning. was the worst part. Sunday morning at uh, nine o'clock. On CBS. Oh, I thought it was even earlier. I thought it was like more like seven a.m. or something. Well, no, yeah, nine o'clock. But you could also, you could, if you stayed up really late on Saturday night, they think they came on at one a.m., which oh, I guess shit. tells you something about shit. the show. Yeah, it was it was insane. Yeah. DS Nine, of course, was on CBS, but Babylon Five was on TNT. Correct. I'm actually I, not sure if Babylon Five was on TNT. That's something I need to double check. I, I know the spinoff crusade was on it and i think the later seasons may have been but i'm not sure if it started off on tnt so that that would be a a factual thing i would want to i would want to double check i just feel like with turner money they could have done some some more things than what they (laughs) some better cgi in there i don't know (laughs) well i think i think the thing about the cgi was that was actually like why the show was able to be made because it was one of the earliest i think examples of such thoroughgoing cgi and so they were able to kind of you know, take this relatively big risk on like this kind of like epic science fiction show with a lot of characters and a lot of world building. And one of the reasons they were able to do that is like that the the ships and the uh, space battles were all CGI'd, unlike on uh, DS9, which I think later in its run and the Dominion War started doing a little CGI, but early on, I think is all like models and matte paintings, like in the kind of, you know, in the same way that Next Generation and the original series were. 
See, that makes a lot. That makes a lot of sense, then. Okay. So that see, so really, that was like cutting edge for the time. Really, the way that looked, even though now when you look back at it with, I guess uh, when you look back at it, it looks awful. But back in the <laughs> early nineties, that was probably the that was probably amazing. Well, this kind of brings up an interesting point in my own experience of Babylon Five is that. I it's always something I'd thought about watching, but never had like taken the time to run down the DVDs or anything. And then it showed up on Amazon Prime like maybe two years ago. And I, I wound up watching the uh, first season then. And I noticed how bad the CGI was then. But I, I think, and I'm not totally sure about this, I might be, be tricking myself with my memory, but I think the CGI we're seeing on the HBO Max release, which is how we're both, we're both watching it, I think that's actually restored or, or touched up CGI. So I think that's actually like better than it originally was. Although, yeah, I, I, I read that. I think it's supposed to be HD quality at this point or something. Mm, so that really mm. is like a, a remastered, I think is the word they used. It's been remastered. Yeah. Yeah, but I I honestly don't know what that means because they do the same thing to video games, and honestly, with when I'm looking mm-hmm. at it, I can't tell the difference. But that just be my, might be my age showing. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think I have a great eye for it either, and I may just be like tricking myself, or this may be like a a sort of weird example, something like the Mandela effect. But I just seem to recall when I watched when I watched season one um, a couple of years ago on Prime. I think it I think it looked worse. <laughs> Although I, uh, it didn't, it didn't last that long on Prime. Uh, but I, you know, I think I took a break after season one and was going back for season two, and it was already off Prime totally. And so um, that, you know, my initial attempt was thwarted. So yeah, I don't really know that much about Babylon Five either. I've, I've seen more than you. I've seen the first season twice now, and I guess I'll have to watch it a third time uh, because I'm a, some sort of masochist. And then I've seen that. Uh, <laughs> The first few, uh, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm somewhat two. dreading look, watching the first season of uh, DS9. I don't have very fond memories of it, but uh, I'll make it through somehow. Yeah, yeah, we'll power through. Lots of lots of laughs, lots of good times. And I mean, I I will say I think both seasons are better than say the first season of the Next Generation. So oh yeah, oh yeah, by a long <laughs> shot, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. way better. So it, it could be it could be a lot worse potentially. All right, so I guess we kind of we've kind of staked out our claim on Babylon Five, which is to say that we don't have that much of a claim, and we're sort of interested to see how it stacks up to one of our favorites. But uh, do you want to talk a little bit about your uh, experience with and fondness of DS Nine? Yeah, sure, uh, DS Nine uh, to me was all about the characters, mm-hmm. um, just the character building that takes place. I mean, from even from season one, which. It's an awful season, but just <laughs> building up the characters from there and then watching them actually grow throughout the seasons, uh, that was what kind of kept me going. If you look at Next Generation, I don't, you don't notice much of a difference between the characters, and, and you may, but I, I don't, I, between what, how they act in season one to where they are in the last season. There's not much development there. They're, they're still the same people, and that... Uh, would you agree with that or not? What do you think? I think that's largely true. I think the one, uh, the I don't know. There, I guess there are two partial exceptions to that. Um, one exception would arguably be Data, although it's all, it's sort of like it, in some ways though. Like even though like Data's arc is like oh he's growing, he's learning about humans, he's sort of the, right. you know, the next generation Spock. In, in other ways, he's not actually growing or changing that much. And season seven Data 
isn't that different than season one data, even though like his character is supposed to be like growing and developing. I could see data. And then like, uh, you know, with the movies and everything, they really oh, well, expanded just a, on that. Oh but yeah. Just, yeah. Totally. With the emotion ship and all that. Yeah. Right. But just the, the show though, I, I don't, okay. Picard, there is somewhat of a, a growth there where he, uh, becomes, uh, you know, a Borg and, you know, then comes back from being a Borg. You see that. And, but like Riker is the only thing that really changed from him was his beard. Like he shaved off. <laughs> he had no beard at the beginning. End of the thing. He's still second in command. He still doesn't want to go anywhere. Like he just. Although in a weird way, and I don't think that, I think maybe this is my reading more of like the novels when we were kids, which we were both insufferable nerds and read a lot of yeah. novels. But like in a weird way, I think that does actually testify to some um, growth on Riker's part. Cause like the gimmick early in, um, early right is like he's this really ambitious hungry like up and coming character right like he wants to be like the youngest captain in uh starfleet and then we sort of and i don't i don't know that the show does a great job with this but a thing that kind of implicitly comes out is that actually like Riker finds that like he likes his found family or he likes his friends on the enterprise d more than he likes his ambition so you know he turns down all of these offers for promotion i mean i think he even turns down a, an offer to be a captain to become the first officer of the flagship and then he repeatedly turns down promotions uh, after he's the captain or sorry after he's uh, after he's on the enterprise d and so in a way it's like Riker sort of does you know kind of grow to appreciate his friends and his co-workers more than his like own personal career ambitions but that's not like a major thing yeah it's just it's not a major it, i mean he he doesn't I, I i could see that i don't remember i don't specifically remember a lot of the uh that kind of development early on but that may just be my memory i will say this though in all the books that come after uh after the the original run, don't they all basically become starship captains at some point? Like every one of them, even Be- like isn't Beverly Crusher a captain at some point? You know, I I don't know. <laughs> I, I haven't read that much of the novel verse. Um, interestingly, I think they're bringing the novel verse to a close. They just announced they're doing like a a trilogy to like close that like post nemesis, post DS nine, post Voyager yes. sort of novel verse. And I guess the thinking is is with Picard and with prodigy which i guess is you know has janeway in it is set sometime after voyager and with lower decks which is set sometime after nemesis the the thought process is is that you know the this old like extended universe canon that the novels built up after voyager and ds9 ended isn't you know isn't valid anymore isn't canonical anymore uh i don't know that much about the novel verse i know I know like Ezri Dax uh, is a captain and I know Riker is a captain. I, I don't really know beyond that. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I, I've, I know I've read at least like half the crew of being a captain at some point of, of their own ship. That is kind of fulfilling all good things, right? The series. Finale yes. Next gen yes. We see her as a captain, Beverly Crusher. That is. Yeah. Well, the well, one back- other character growth in next gen, I wanted to point to really briefly, um, is that you were, you were talking about like we kind of see this arc of like trauma and recovery from Picard like we see him assimilated into the Borg we see him right. tortured by the Cardassians um, we see that episode the inner light where he has the experience of the you know of life and death on this alien world um, the inner light now that that's an episode right there you can show any person and they have to like you have to cry just a little bit that's that's <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a that's like work of art right there. 
If you haven't seen the inner light, st- stop the podcast. Go watch it now. That that's that's Star Trek at its finest. I need to I need to rewatch it because honestly, um, I, I I saw it um, I saw it a, for the first time a few years ago. I because I'd watched a lot of Next Gen as a kid, but I'd never seen that one. And I, I wasn't. Yeah, well, you probably wouldn't liked it as a kid, but like as an adult, it's like, oh wow, that, that's kind of well. A, as an adult, message. I didn't really like it either. But maybe maybe I'm still essentially a child like adult. Yeah, but, yeah. Like that, yeah, that probably explains it. Yeah, it's if you. If you're an adult and can't cry at that, then there's just something wrong with you. Uh, but I was just going to say on Picard, though, like you do see him sort of grow to become a little more warm and a little more accepting. Like you, you think of like the sort of cold standoffish guy you see in the, in the pilot encounter at Farpoint. Yeah, yeah. And okay. There's that, there's that. All good things. And him finally joining the officer's poker game. That's what I was about to say. Yes, that's the only scene. Okay. Yes, he goes and he joins the officers to play poker. That's that's the character development. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we're re- but we are really kind of straining to find character development. In yeah, game, yeah, it's, it's like yeah. You're having to pull out like all DS nine characters have a really pretty. Oh yeah, every path. episode you're going to learn something about somebody. Some you're going to find out more and more. I mean, every character has their own like huge backstory, and there's all this information that you have to keep. You know, as you're watching, and I mean, it's almost like I know when I'm going back to rewatch. DS9, I'm going to have to take some notes on each character just to keep up with what was going on with them. Because you, I don't feel like you have to do that with, with a lot of the other shows. Um, with, with DS9, there's just so much. It's been not, not necessarily in the early episodes. I'm not talking about that. I mean, but as you start to move into the war and everything like that, you really have to kind of keep up with what was going on and who who's, on, who's doing what. Yeah, my, Even, my memory from my most recent or my really my only complete watch through, which was a few years ago. I'd see, you know, I just seen stuff here and there before that. Uh, my memory is it, it starts getting good like midway through season two, maybe. Yes, yeah. Right around the time is it the when the Jim Hadar show up? Is that that's a, maybe maybe it starts getting a, good a little before that? I, I mean, I guess we'll see. But my my memory is it starts getting good a little before that, and then because okay. I think the Jim Hadar show up only like a couple of episodes before the end of the season. Overall, DS9, and then going back to my earlier argument, DS9's had some pretty good action figures. <laughs> uh, I will say this. I will say this, though. But I think Babylon 5 wins when it comes to action figures, because looking at them, they had the character, and then they came with, like, a micro-machine ship. So uh-huh. it, instead of coming with those accessories they used to come with, like, the you know, the, they all came with, like, tricorders or phasers or whatever, like, yeah. you know, the crap you never use. You know, like, like <laughs> the, actual, the actual Babylon 5, they would come with whatever ship, you know, the, the alien... Race was representing, you know, so whatever you could have like space battles. You didn't have to collect your action figures and your ship models. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't have to shell out money <laughs> by to buy all this when you could, you know. No, but yeah, I, I, I just have a fond, I have fond memories of DS Nine and just enjoying it and being looking forward to watching it. Cisco is uh, Cisco's character is probably one of my favorites. Just the way he handles things and his leadership style, uh, very very different compared to you know Janeway and card way different than Kirk. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes sometimes in morally dubious ways, although not that Janeway, Picard, and Kirk don't all have their own kind of morally dubious moments. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, it does seem like um, 90s Star Trek doesn't get quite enough credit for like having Cisco be this pretty strong, aggressive uh, black male captain and then having uh, Janeway be this pretty strong, aggressive, like white female captain on Voyager. That was, it, it was something that was like, handled like in a way i think that kind of like spoke to like you know the different experiences that 
that African-Americans might have or that, uh, that women might have, but it was also, it was kind of presented in a matter of fact way that didn't, didn't always like raise the hackles of like the kind of fans who were, you know, resistant to hearing about <laughs> things outside their own realm of experience. Did you see a fair amount of DS9 when you, when we were kids? It sounded, it sounds like. I watched a lot of it. Uh, I would say, I remember you had, em- you actually had Emissary. I did. On yeah. tape. <laughs> if I remember right. I had, a I, watched box set of, I had a box set of the pilots of, I think the first three. I, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think Caretaker was in there for Voyager. You did. But, yeah. You had, it was yeah. either, did you have, did you have the cage or man? Um, I ha- I think the box set had the cage in where no man has gone before the second right. pilot. And then I think right. I had a tape that I, I bought separately of the man trap. That's which right. was the first man trap Star Trek episode. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember we had that. And then of course I had like trouble with triples and that was about it. Yeah. I watched, I mean, I watched that and then I watched, uh, you know, I would watch it every week, especially I know for sure. I saw most of the, everything dealing with the war. And uh, when Worf shows up later on, spoiler for anybody that hasn't watched the show. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then I watched all the way to the end. Like I know I watched to the finale. So really I watched probably season that three through whenever it ended. For sure. I know I watched those as a kid. Yeah. So I think you saw a lot more of it than I did. I think I, I saw bits of season three and season four and maybe bits of season five, but I think I fell off at some point. I, Voyager was actually the one I watched uh, a lot more faithfully um, because it was on, um, you know, I think Wednesday evenings or Thursday evenings. On yeah, it was, prime, it was prime time, I think at nine o'clock. On yeah, eight or nine o'clock. Or something, yeah. 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 So Voyager was a lot easier to catch, whereas DS9 wasn't. I think I, I think I might I don't I, I can't remember if I was still going to going to Sunday school at that point, but Sunday school <laughs> might have been uh, getting in the way of my Star yeah. Trek fix, which, uh, you know, given that I've switched my religion from Sunday school to Star Trek, it's kind of ironic. <laughs> <laughs> Um, nice, nice. Yeah. So I guess you have, you have, you'll have like a stronger uh, childhood memories of this, which will be kind of interesting to revisit as we go to. Yeah. Um, and I do you know, The other thing I, I forgot to mention, they had that video game and I swear I'm telling you video games and me, like I, I played the video game, like to the death there. That was a hard video. Game what was the video game? I don't know that I remember that at all. It was like you played as, uh, all I remember is you play as Cisco, like the whole thing. And it's a side scroller. Oh. You're like, was and it like Sega you, or like Super NES? Or? It was Sega. The Sega. Uh, okay. Yeah, I have to, it was something pro, something with the profits. I'll have to look it up. <laughs> yeah, of course, it was, it's something with the. Profits. Yeah, it's got. Yeah, the title is weird. Like you know, you're like, what am I playing? But it was hard. Yeah, because I I remember I think we both played a lot of like the those point and click uh, original series Star Trek games. I think there were two oh, yeah. of them. Yeah. Yeah. Like one was like the 25th anniversary game, and I forget what the other one was. And I think I vaguely remember like a next generation console game, but very, very yeah, there's the next gen uh, Sega Genesis game. That was like the hardest game ever to play. Nice. Nice. All right. So uh, we're, we're uh, launching on this journey. We're going to go uh, through uh, one episode at a time of Babylon five and DS nine together. Uh, we'll talk about what synchronicities we'll see. Uh, we'll be on the, Watch for 90s nostalgia. We'll be on uh, watch for 90s politics at the end of history. We'll be on the watch for conspiracy. We'll be on the watch for whatever else we think of. Um, it should be fun. We hope uh, people come along with us. Uh, anything else you want to say on our way out, Matt? No, I'm good to go. We'll uh, look forward to it.
All right. We'll look forward to it. Peace.